Last week I talked about the spirit of Dagon. Today I'm going to teach about something that most people will think I'm crazy to even mention in church. Today with church's motivational talks rather than sermons, and everybody is wonderful and everything is okay, that's what you hear when you go to church these days, with all that that goes on, people are going to think I've lost my senses. Lost my mind. Maybe I have. I'm reminded of the words of Mark Twain. He said, of all the things I've lost, my mind is the one I miss the most. (laughs) Maybe I have. But I know when God speaks to me. I want to talk about how to overcome two of the most destructive spirits in our world today. They have their roots in ancient times. They are the ancient spirits of Baal and Ashtaroth. In Judges 2 verse 10, when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. God forbid that we should raise our children to not know God. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt And they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them. And they bowed down to them and they provoked the Lord to anger. They forsook the Lord and served Baal and the Ashtaroths. One verse speaks of Baals in plural. This last verse of Ashtaroths in plural. There was actually one, only one, there was only one demonic spirit that was Baal. Only one demonic spirit that was Ashtaroth. But they literally built shrines to them everywhere on the top of every hill and they would put these idols in these shrines and so that's why it was referred to in the plural sense in both cases amen there were multiple representatives of the same god's little g amen jeremiah 8 verse 12 and the first part of the verse were they ashamed when they had committed abomination no they were not at all ashamed nor did they know how to blush I want to speak this morning from this subject, what it means to be able to blush. What it means to be able to blush. Baal and Ashtaroth were the male and female fertility gods of the promised land when Israel moved in. The Canaanites had built temples to them all over the promised land. It had taken Israel years to get there. Trust the devil to be waiting on you and your promised land to try and mess it up once you arrive. I needed a better amen right there. Some folks think when they get to their promised land, the battle's over. Mm-mm. No. God warned Israel to not become involved in going to these temples and to be involved in their worship. The worship practices in these temples were very wicked and they were sex-centered. God wanted Israel to stay true to him and be in love with Jehovah God who stands alone as the one true God that should be worshipped. Both the altars of Baal and Ashtaroth were very graphic in their design. And if you have small children, cover up their ears for just a moment. That's why we have children's church, and I can say things to a mature crowd that I wouldn't want to say with, with small children. But the altars of Baal were made to resemble the male genitalia. The altar of Ashtaroth was made to look like the female genitalia. I'm not being risque. I'm just simply citing what was historical fact. They built these altars throughout the land on the top of hills. In other words, there was an open display of vulgarity that was common 
and everywhere. It was in your face. You couldn't avoid it. You couldn't close your eyes and miss it. It was all around you. If that does not describe the world we live in right now, I don't know what does. Sex is used to sell pretty much everything these days. It's in every TV show, every movie. It's mentioned in a lot of the music we hear. Rock stars build their entire shows and performances around sex. And speaking of that, I'm really glad that Kanye West got saved. I I, I really am. I'm rejoicing over that. Brad Pitt's going back to church. Katy Perry, they're getting people out to church that hadn't been in church and claimed to be atheists for years. Kanye was in jail here in Harris County, ministering to people in, in jail right here just this week. Maybe now, though, he will tell his wife to dress where she is and showing everybody her nakedness. I don't mean to offend anybody by that. If that does, it's a symptom of the hour in which we live. If I could say that and you get upset about it, then that tells me what I'm talking about needs to be said. The devotees of Baal and Ashtaroth had both male and female prostitutes in the temple. I want you to hear this. They, when you needed to get your fix, all you did when you needed a hookup was just go to the temple and get your hookup. You didn't have to be faithful in marriage. That was the, the, the attitude of the hour. These people gave themselves to the pursuit of sensual pleasure until they lost all feelings of conviction and or guidelines that would cause them to have remorse over their behavior. Today, the absence of these moral boundaries is leaving people peaked out and empty with a trail of broken relationships behind them strong in the path that they have come down. One out of every five searches on the internet is porn related. The average age where children are first exposed to porn is around nine years old. Sexting, sending someone else pictures of yourself naked has reached epidemic proportions. The number of relationships where couples were supposed to live happily ever after are being sh- that are now being shattered by infidelity is skyrocketing. And back to that sexting thing. If your child has a telephone, you need to know the passcode where you can get in and see what's going on. You say, but I, I, don't, I don't think that I need to do that. You better do that. You better do that. More and more people today report feeling used by those that they're in relationship with. Pornography is now a $100 billion a year industry. If you include the stuff you see on TV, which is almost every program, and in movies and the lyrics they put to music these days, the amount of money spent on that type of pornography can't even be calculated. Let me tell you the results. There are 313,000 victims of human trafficking each year in Texas alone. 80,000 of them are kids that are sold into the sex trade right here in the state of Texas. Trafficking children for sex costs Texas $6.6 billion each year. But we see and hear so much of this junk all around us every day that you lose the ability to blush. Nothing embarrasses us anymore. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We have become jaded as a congregation, as a city, as a state, as a nation. And I'm going to speak for myself, even me as an individual 
There's so much going on around that I'm not shocked the way I used to be shocked when some of this stuff would be out there. And by now, you've already figured out today's message is not going to be one of those that's going to make you run the aisles, is it? Amen. Except to get out the door as quickly as you possibly can. I don't expect to see very many people getting all happy and excited while I'm preaching this morning. But I do think that what I'm talking about will help you have godly, fulfilling relationships through the rest of your life. If you can hear what I'm saying. And I realize this is never talked about. Tell me the last time you ever went to church and heard anybody dare to talk about this. Preachers don't want to do it. Afraid they might upset somebody. And because of this is never talked about, people don't know how to stand against this type of temptation. They don't even think it's necessary. There's so much impurity around us that we've lost the ability to blush. We aren't shocked by the evil that is going on. God said, were they ashamed? He told Jeremiah, no, they don't even blush anymore. We've gotten used to it. We need as a society to relearn how to blush in the presence of some of the things that are going on all around us. The Bible says in Proverbs 25, 28, whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down and without walls. In other words, it is talking about someone whose life has no boundaries or defenses. And you need boundaries and defenses and walls, if you please, in your life to keep harm from coming to you or to your family. I don't believe in trying to shame people, so I'm going to say this right up front. That isn't what this is about. You will never hear me shame people. There isn't a one of us that isn't human and that doesn't face temptation. If you have never faced temptation, I'd like to shake your hand after this service is over. Only I'd be careful if I were you because when I touched you, I might impart some of my human weakness to you. Because I'm going to be the first to tell you that we're all human. There's only one who has never fallen and that man is Jesus Christ. He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. Can I hear somebody say amen? If you never hear this preach, you won't ever have the power to live the life of victory that God has called you to live. Because there's power in the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. God's called you to victory over the devil and over the flesh. And we all need victory over the devil. Can I tell you a joke? You're hesitant because you, you're wondering what kind of joke's getting ready to come. Don't worry. I don't, I don't say things that are dirty. Amen. But I'm going to get real. An elderly lady was sitting along with her cat polishing an old lamp that she'd found in the attic when a genie popped out and offered her three wishes. And thinking quickly, she said, I'd like to be rich young and beautiful again and for my cat to be turned into a handsome prince it was a puff of smoke and suddenly she was young and glamorous and surrounded by fabulous wealth her cat was gone and in its place was a dashing and handsome prince with his arms held open wide and as she melted into his arms he whispered now aren't you sorry that you had me neutered This message is designed to neuter the devil today. Okay? 
We're getting ready to neuter the devil. What I'm really talking about is next level intimacy, meaning a higher level of intimacy than just physical sex. Most people believe that intimacy is a word that refers to having sex. And in other words, intimacy has been reduced in the minds of most people to just get this, a hookup. In the days of the children of Israel, as I said, if you wanted to have a casual hookup, you just went to the temple of Baal or Ashtaroth. Next level intimacy is shifting your thinking to understand that real intimacy means being able to have a relationship with someone in a way that is much deeper and more enduring than just having a physical connection. You see, they don't teach this in school either. And you got to hear it sometime in your life or this world is going to mess you up. Amen. And so that's why the Bible talks about it. You say, I don't want people to talk about that. Cut it out of your Bible, but it's still there. You can pretend it isn't, but it is. When a relationship is based upon a physical attraction only, you begin to confuse sex with love and you end up objectifying people. You use them. That's why so many people report feeling used. And your life becomes very empty and shallow because you can't build a meaningful relationship. This is why people who live together before they get married have a 33% greater chance of divorcing than couples who get married and then live together. When it's based first on physical attraction, then it causes problems. I've only got a few minutes, but there are three things I want to say as I unpack this. First, if today I happen to be preaching to someone who has fallen, my purpose in teaching this is not to shame you, but to tell you that you can be set free. You don't have to live with shame the rest of your life. Can I hear somebody in the building say, hallelujah. Amen. Now, for all of you that are here, I just want to say this. I mentioned, I planned this series last year. And I've talked about it with a number of our pastors. I even mentioned I was going to be teaching this sometime this year. I'm on it now. So don't you be looking at anybody next to you thinking they told off on you, okay? (laughs) This has been coming down the tube for a long, long time. Second, if you have made mistakes in your life, your failure should not define you. It's important that you learn who God created you to be and then allow God's word to develop his image of you in your life. The word of God is kind of like those old Polaroid instant cameras. Y'all remember those? Used to have them several years ago. We had one when I was a kid. They made a comeback in recent days. You take the picture and the film comes out of a slot in the camera and the chemicals on the film develop the picture for you. And while you're looking at it, the picture begins to emerge. In just a short time, the chemicals change the film from simply being a gray sheet of paper to a colorful image of what you aimed the camera at, what it was looking at. And I want to tell you, when you look toward heaven, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. His word will begin to transform your life into the image that you have aimed your life at. But if you aim your life at the wrong thing, it will begin to develop the wrong things in you. Third, no matter what mistakes you have made, I want you to know God can forgive them and help you fix the broken walls in your life. 
Can I get an amen out there? Hallelujah. You can rebuild the walls. There's only one sin that cannot be forgiven, and that's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Amen. You need walls. The enemy will come in and steal from you. And if you don't have any walls right now, you're being raided and might not even know it. When I was growing up, my grandmother never locked the door of her house. Never. I don't, I don't ever remember seeing a key to the house. I don't. When I was a kid growing up, it was just, you, you left the house open. She went to town, we left the house open. Night, left the house unlocked. Boy, you don't do that in today's world. You better have a lock on your door, amen. And I wanna tell you, you better have a lock on your heart and walls around your heart and your family to keep the enemy from coming in to steal what matters to you. On the other hand, I'm talking about rebuilding walls. Some people have never had them in the first place. They never were taught this. We have a generation that's never heard some of the guidelines that the scripture says are so vital and important. And so once again, if there's someone who struggles because of the spirit that I'm unmasking today, this is not aimed at you. I want you to know I love you. We don't believe in shaming people here. Amen. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin and unrighteousness. But it's important that you don't allow any mistakes that you have made to define who you are. God has spoken his creative word over you and you are who he has declared you are. And I want to tell you this about your identity. When God speaks a word over you, it is not based on your present. He lives in eternity and has already seen your future. And the word he's speaking over you is based on your future, not what is happening right now. So you let God pull you out of whatever you're in to bring you into the destiny that is created for you. Can somebody shout hallelujah? So how do you resist temptation when it's all around you? That's a strange question to ask because the truth is many people honestly don't know how. You would think that everyone would, but they don't. Worse, they don't even know where to start. So my, my spirit and heart today is to try to help you find a way to get on the right path and stay there. The story we immediately think of when we think of this kind of temptation and how to resist it is Joseph in the first book of the Bible. Joseph had been sold into slavery by his brothers. He had been sold as a slave into the house of Potiphar in Egypt. And he had proven himself to be so capable and intelligent that Potiphar elevated him to be over his entire house. And Potiphar was married to this, wow, slam, slamming kind of a beautiful, you know, woo, kind of a, ha, ha, kind of a woman. And... And so that, that's, that was his wife. She was gorgeous. She was a knockout. And she wanted to sleep with Joseph. He was a handsome young man. The anointing was on his life. And I want to tell all of you that are children of God, when you're a child of God, you carry a measure of the anointing of God on your life. That is attractive. Never mistake when someone else is attracted to you that it's always about you. One of the things I learned as a pastor is that I have, I need walls around me. I need walls because I carry an anointing and I don't want to hurt anybody because of the anointing that God has placed on my life. Joseph responded to her and gave two significant reasons for maintaining sexual purity. I've used this many times throughout the years and messages. You remember the story. 
Whenever she grabbed hold of his garment, she was completely unclothed. He walked into a room. She did this on purpose. He didn't know. She grabbed his garment and said, come and sleep with me. And Joseph ran and left his cloak there. She became angry, his coat there. She became angry, reported, said, see what this guy tried to do. It held up his coat to Potiphar and he was thrown into jail. Joseph told her when she grabbed him two things that I want you to remember as long as you live. First reason that he gave was he said, my master has been good to me. I can't hurt people that have been good to me. Are you listening to me? I can't hurt people that have been good to me. You know why? I I pray every day, God help me to walk the right path. You know what? My prayer every day is, Father, forgive me of anything that I've done this day that I shouldn't have done and help me to bring you glory. I don't ever want to bring him shame and dishonor. I've got a church that's looking my direction that's been good to me. I've got people I love. I've got a family that I love. I've got kids that I love. I've got grandchildren that I love. I don't want to hurt my family. I don't want to hurt this church. I don't want to hurt people that have had some measure of honor they've shown to me for whatever reason. And so he said, I don't want to hurt people that, are look, up, that look up to me, who have stood with me. I don't want, I, I can't, I can't sin. The second reason he gave her was he said, and I don't want to sin against God. Oh my, if there's anybody that has been good to me, it's God. He found me when you would have passed me by. Loved me when nobody else loved me. When my own mama didn't want me, God came by and picked me up. I'm talking about a God that sees value where nobody else can see. Oh, I feel the anointing of God in this house today. Can somebody give God a praise break right now? Can somebody give God some worship right now? Can somebody love the Lord right now? Has God been good to anybody? Has he healed you when you were sick? Has he been there when you were alone? Hallelujah. Did he bring you out of the hospital when nobody else could help you? Did God answer your prayer when you were down and out? Did God show up in your life? And I want you to know that he said, God's been good to me and I can't disappoint God after his brothers had sold him into slavery. After he had been a slave that that was in Potiphar's house. He had been through some bad stuff. How many of us let the stuff we go through make us think differently about the God we serve? You can't let whatever you're going through change your idea of who God is. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. A couple more minutes and I'm done. The Bible teaches that our old natures were crucified with Christ and that we must count ourselves dead to sin and resurrected into a new life in God. Romans 6 and 3, do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, listen to this. He says this, we were buried with him through baptism into death. Buried, that old man is buried. You got to count that old nature of flesh dead. 
not only dead, buried. If you hadn't been buried in baptism yet, speak to one of these counselors. We're going to get you baptized in the name of our Lord. Amen. And he said, you were just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And that's why he said then in verse 12 of the same chapter, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies that it, you should obey its lust and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instrument of instruments of righteousness to God. Now, what does it mean to not present your instruments as your members rather as instruments of unrighteousness? And what does it mean when it says present yourselves to God? I'm going to tell you what it means. It means make a present. Don't make a present of your body to the enemy. Make a present of your body to God. Say, God, you own this house. I give it to you. It's yours. Somebody in the building ought to say hallelujah. This isn't mine anymore. It belongs to God. If you used to have a car that you sold to somebody and they now have the title, you don't get to walk up, up and when you see that car in a parking lot at Walmart, take out an old key and get in it and drive it off. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God now. Your body belongs to God when you get saved. Can, oh, I'm preaching better than you're responding right now. Paul says in verse 19 through 20, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are, say it, everybody. Did you have that verse, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20? Maybe not. Read this. I'll read it with you. And it says, you are not your own. Amen. For you were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Wow. 1 Corinthians 6 and 18 says, flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. Be he who commits sexual impurity or immorality sins against his own body. I'm going to give you real quick a progression. I want to show you something that you need to remember as long as you live. This is going to be fast, so you'll have to go to the website and get the notes of this sermon. They're embedded in the podcast. But listen, there is a destructive progression of sin. When you commit transgression, you have the option of at that moment turning back to God in confession and in repentance. But if you don't, transgression becomes an obsession. You get fixated on this thing in one of two ways. Either desire, I won't do this again, it begins to appeal, or shame, and it has the same effect. You begin to, I'm no good. They're going to find out my secret. You know what happens? The first, whenever you begin to have an obsession with sin, that attraction will lure you into another trap. But if you're dealing with shame, what happens is you need a fix because you can't go around feeling bad about yourself all the time. And it makes you weak and you're going to fall into something that you're going to end up doing to mood alter the shame you're feeling at that moment. So transgression leads to obsession which then leads to depression because the more you do things that violate your conscience, the more depressed you become until eventually it becomes oppression. You can't get free by yourself. At that point, you come to possession. It can get a hold of you. There are demonic spirits that are involved. And when you give yourself completely over to possession, then you come to aggression. 
you actually become hostile toward God. That's why you've got all these groups out there that are advocating, I'm going to do this and I don't care what God says. And, and they're angry and they're mad. They've reached this level right here. And then you come to regression. What is regression? It is further deterioration of your life. How do you break the pattern of self-destructive behavior in your sexuality? To transform your life, you've got to begin by changing your confession. You've got to say, I am a child of God. I want you to say that with me. I, this body belongs to the Holy Spirit. Yes, it does. I belong to God from the top of my head to the soles of my Lucchese boots. I belong to God. Amen. I'm not my own. I am bought with a price of the blood of Jesus. I'm covered by the blood. Do you hear me, devil? I'm covered by the blood of Jesus every day. Would you stand with me?